And we're back. This is episode eight of the Holy City Hoops podcast, and we've got a good one for you today. My pal Jeff Asheris is on to recap another 2-0 week for the Cougars that moved them to 7-2 and on the season, still first place in the conference. And since final exams are going on down at CFC, we've got a jam-packed, test-themed episode of the show today. After Jeff and I recap the SC State and Charlotte games, we do a little short answer Q&A style back and forth that I think you'll enjoy. We then talk CAA road trips, our best venues to see the Cougars on the road, uh, and then we check in, as we always do, on the rest of the league. Jeff is a former CFC athlete, like our pal Brooks Clark, who you might remember from an earlier episode of this show. He was also on the sailing team at the college, a very successful program in its own right. He's also a former Cougar basketball season ticket holder, a former and current member of the Cougar Club. Uh, We talk about that a lot, but we're going to get right into this one because it is fully loaded. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review this show. Here's me and Jeff. Jeff, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm well, Tommy. How are you? Doing well. You have a nice uh, Thanksgiving? I did. I did. I survived the uh, craziness of Southern California commuting. I'm sure a lot of people saw the the photos of the 405 freeway. Legendary, um, yeah. 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 You know, it's funny that that photo could have been on any Tuesday night or Monday night. Um, they just, <laughs> just happened just to publish, viral. Yeah. They just happened to publish the one. Um, it actually looks like that pretty much every day in Southern California. But uh, but fortunately, it wasn't too bad. And I did get some really nice family time and I uh, was able to watch, uh, you know, some good basketball and football over the break. Very nice. Yeah. D.C. not much better in terms of traffic. So I can relate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> luckily, we have Cougar basketball to fall back onto. 2-0 week for the Cougs. They continue to run up that home win streak, uh, picked up victories over SC State and Charlotte. Let's just dive right into it. You know, we'll start with the SC State game. That was last Wednesday. Cougars win that one, 83-70. First home game back uh, in a couple games. So first home game since the November 13th. Uh, four games away from home. So they get back home. They face a very easy SC State team, a team nobody's really uh, taken too seriously overall in the collegiate Division I rankings. I was a little bit worried this was going to be a trap game, but uh, they take care of business. What were your overall takeaways from the SC State game? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's one that, you know, from a fan perspective is maybe one that, you know, some people don't don't get up and buy tickets for and, and the players are, you know, coming off the, the end of a pretty tough road trip uh, and a lot of just early season, you know, some bigger non-conference games. And, and this is one that, you know, with uh, with all they have going on academically that it can be one of those sleeper trap games uh, but it was nice to see that we that we really didn't fall into that trap uh, you know we, we did win by a good margin there you know I think we probably performed as expected maybe we played down a little bit to their level at certain points during the game but but overall you know we were able to kind of get away with a pretty clean win and um, yeah had some highlights and then some areas of improvements as well uh, the the energy level was something I was watching, and it was actually interesting. Coach Grant was talking after the game about kind of how to get the energy up for a, kind of a sleepy game like SC State. And one thing I thought was interesting that he did was he subbed guys in early. He brought the subs in, McManus and Richard, off the bench pretty quick, and that seemed to you know keep guys fresh and keep guys energized. So good night offensively for the team. I don't think they fell into to too much of a lull. They kind of turned things on as the games, uh, as the game got going. Kind of a bounce back game for Nick Harris uh, is something that stood out for me. Six points, 
you know, he averaged about that last year, but he's would be the first to admit he's been kind of struggling offensively. Uh, but he has six points, which is a season high. 11 rebounds, another season high, three blocks and a steal. What'd you think of his game? Uh, I thought it was good. I think, you know, obviously offensive production, and I'll touch more on this later, ha- has been an issue for Nick, um, you know, not only this season, but kind of throughout his career at CFC. But, um, you know, he plays 20 to 22 good minutes, you know, you know every night. And I think, um, you know, in looking at it, a lot of what he contributes is not necessarily measurable. Um, you know, he's in there, you know, kind of altering shots and more just getting in the way. Um, and when you get in the way of a team like SC State, um, you know, they're not really going to be able to outperform you on talent alone. Um, so coupling that with, uh, you know, I think you said 11 rebounds, uh, 10 of those were defensive rebounds. I'd love to see that ratio maybe shift a little bit more evenly and get some more looks, uh, you know, and second chance points on the offensive side, side of the court. But, uh, but yeah, you know, a bigger contribution um, than we've seen from him. So hopefully, you know, a good, a good mental uh, victory for him, you know, to kind of propel him forward uh, later in the season. And those types of games from secondary scores really help the Cougs. You know what you're going to get from Grant and Jarrell each night. They both put it in. Grant has 23 points. Jarrell has 19. Pretty standard performances by both those guys. So if you can get a third score like a Brevin Galloway or a Jalen McManus, uh, who came off the bench and had 10 points, he was kind of the third score uh, in this game, uh, it just helps. You know, that's how the Cougars put up 80-plus points and kind of, creates a lot less drama at the end of a game right absolutely and you know and brevin actually i think he only went one of four from the three-point line and you know that's i'd say it's definitely below average for him um so i think we can expect to get a few more points on the perimeter you know the rest of the way this season um you know a freshman isaiah moore he had another five defensive rebounds um in only 12 minutes of play um you know a couple areas of concern from this game isaiah did have four fouls um you know i think that's just freshman inexperience um he, you know and trying to make the most of his minutes so it kind of does show a level of aggression which which i like from a freshman in a, in a game that you know we know we should have in the bag most of the way um i think overall looking at some team stats our team only had three offensive rebounds the whole game so that wow. that to me is an, a big area of concern that we're just you know maybe we're not fighting as hard for those balls down in the paint um, or, or what the issue is there. And SC State actually led us in points off of turnovers, bench points, and points in the paint. So it's a little bit of a different story than the final score might show. Uh, and I think it was a game of you know some good individual performances, but, but coming you know a little bit short in a few team categories. I wonder what happened in sort of that garbage time. The last couple of minutes, I think, so Charleston goes up, 20 or whatever it was uh, in the second half. And then Grant kind of emptied the bench and let some of those younger guys learn on the fly. Mm -hmm. And it was a little up and down. You know, I think that's when you saw a lot of the fouls rack up for Samba and Isaiah. SC State got a couple run outs and and put backs. And I think they went on like a 12-2 run or something like that. So, yeah. Right. And I, yeah, if you probably look at the stats, you know, through maybe 16, you know, minutes of the second half, that's a, a much different right. stat line. Um, you, you know, in those, those four minutes, you know, hard to look at in, in the record books and stat books, um, you know, and, and really get a true takeaway of, of what happened, you know, unless you're, you're at the game or kind of watching it, you know, from start to finish. Surprising about some of those stats you threw out, though. More encouraging, I think. Um, Cougs shoot 60% from the floor which, you know, the, the offense has been uh, here and there depending on the level of competition, so it's good to see him have a good offensive night. 35% from behind the arc, which 
for most teams might not be great, but for the Cougs, 35% from three, not too bad. So uh, no, definitely not, especially, yeah, given how we kind of started the season, you know, shooting from the outside. So to, to continually pull that percentage up and, uh, and, and not to shy away from those looks uh, you know, I think we are shooting plenty of threes, yeah. you know, I'd love to know maybe how many we shot in total on the night compared to other games, but um, you know, it doesn't seem like our style of play is changing just because we had a, a deficiency early in the season at all. You know, I think coach grants sticking to the plan. He knows his players and he knows that it's just going to take, you know, a little time to get these guys in rhythm and the, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to, you know, they will start shooting the ball really well. So um, I like kind of where he's at from a game planning perspective. Anything else from the uh, SC State game? Not really. I'm just like we touched on at the beginning. I'm glad that we just didn't get caught up, you know, in kind of the uh, the Thanksgiving uh, coma, if you will, and you know, and, and drop a game that would would come back to haunt us, you know, maybe later when we look at our kind of overall strength of schedule and and you know strength of record and our win loss. Um, yeah, it's good just to get out and get the freshmen some experience and, and get a good clean win by by a good margin. Exactly. Yeah, can't fault it. So the following game was last Saturday. That was against Charlotte. This one was closer, obviously, than the SC State game. A little bit of a Charlotte-Charleston rivalry forming. I feel like we played them a couple times the last couple of years. They showed up with some fans from out of town. They wore their black uniforms, which I thought was a ballsy move. Mm-hmm. Tight game throughout, uh, back and forth. I, I, I forget how many lead changes there were, but the teams were going kind of shot for shot with each other for a while there. Ron Sanchez, the new coach at Charlotte, uh, UVA guy. So you can kind of see that UVA style of defense first, methodical on offense, kind of similar to what the Cougars are running. But the Cougars end up pulling away in the second half. I think they went on a uh, on a little 9-0 run there in the second half to, to kind of crack things open. But they win 72-64. What do you have on, on this game? Um, you know, there, I think there's a lot of things we can take away, you know, in the specifics, you know, from the box score and the stats. But I think over, you know, kind of overarching theme here is that this was the game that, you know, our seniors and Coach Grant and his coaching staff, uh, you know, kind of just laid down the law and said, you know, you do not come into TD Arena and, and beat our basketball team. Um, you know, he's got a nice long home home win streak developing. Um, I'm not sure the exact number, but I think it's, you know, it's pretty 20. Pretty long at this point. Yeah, yeah. 20, 20 wins in a row at home. So uh, I think this is maybe one of the first times really on our home floor with the exception of Rhode Island that we've really been been tested by a good team. And yeah, you know, Charlotte's they're they're nothing to scoff at. I think they're a good team and there is a little rivalry factor there. You know, it's, uh, you know, just just about three hours up the road. And, um, you know, we've gone and played at their place. And um, I know we had a I think we had a couple overtime game there at one point. Yeah. Um, early right after we joined the CAA um, that we ended up losing um, you know a while back so so yeah good a good rivalry game and I think it was just a statement win for our program to say you know we're protecting our home court we're maybe not at full strength with some of the injuries we have in our lineup right now and we have a few deficiencies but you either way you're not going to come in and get through our defense so big defensive effort um, he, I thought Grant Riller had a, had a great night you know he ends up going to the line 15 times yeah. um, you know probably some of that you know just down at the very end of the game there uh, as things got close but you know he makes 14 out of 15 you know from the line so yeah, I really don't think you can ask much more of him you know Jarrell only shot one free throw on the whole night which was interesting and only had two points in the first half but then he adds an, another 15 in the second half and that's probably the difference yep. maker that really you know gives us that spread to uh to get that you know that uh that eight point win Riller kind of carried the team early 
forget how many points he had in the first half. And then Jarrell, like you said, got it going in the second half. Uh, 17 points overall, 8 for 15 from the field. Pretty solid night for him. Uh, he was also a pretty good presence defensively. He drew a couple of charges, blocked a couple shots. And then you have Galloway has a nice night, 12 points, 4 for 8 from 3. Pretty efficient mm-hmm. uh, for him. Usually solid defense. So you kind of got a, a little bit of a scoring duel between uh, John Davis from Charlotte and Grant Riller. Uh, that was fun for the fans to watch. But ultimately, it's that, that 9-0 run in the second half. I jotted down the exact plays. So the 10:43 mark, uh, with 10:43 to go in the game, Charlotte cuts the deficit to one. Uh, so it was 49 to 48, Cougs on top. Then the next sequence of plays are Riller free throw, McManus steal, and Brantley dunk. Two more Riller free throws, another Brantley steal and dunk, and another Brantley dunk. So that kind of took the took the air out of uh out of the sails for uh for Charlotte, and uh, kind of the teams played even after that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think right now we're asking a lot of Jarrell and, and Grant, um, you know, we'll get into it a bit later in, in the podcast, but, um, you know, without Marquise there to kind of spread things out and, you know, spread the uh, concentration of the defense, um, you know, those guys are playing 37 to 39 minutes a night. Um, mm-hmm. if, if it's a pretty tight game, I think, you know, maybe if things are opening up a little bit more, they'll be down like 32, 34. But, um, you know, I think uh, we're asking them to be in uh you know, everyone likes to say mid-season form, and we are kind of creeping closer and closer to that. Uh, but, you know, from a conditioning standpoint, we're asking these guys to put in, you know, a pretty a pretty heavy workload early in the year, uh, which they're showing that they're clearly up to it. And, and uh, you know, I was most impressed with that our defense was able to hold up um, and continue scoring the ball, you know, kind of funneling through those two guys. I think Brevin adding the 12 points, like you said, makes a huge difference, um, you know, kind of another outlet there. Um, on the flip side to all of that, um, you know, Charlotte still actually out-rebounded us. Um, Significantly, off- yeah. Offensively, yeah, I don't know what the totals were, but I know it was 11-5 to 5 on the offensive side for both teams. So, again, I, I think where – think it's fatigue? Yeah, I think it could be, or maybe that's our game plan is knowing – that you know, we get our shots and then and maybe we clear out a little bit and, and get back earlier on defense. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I don't know if that's game planning or if or if that's us maybe an oversight if we're leaving some points on the table there. Uh, but but just interesting that you know if we look at two games, you know we've kind of been behind in those statistics. So just a little bit of a pattern developing. Yeah, I know Coach Grant will always preach defense and rebounding, and we've had one of those. Um, but yeah, the, the Cougs have been out rebounded in a couple games already. So, yeah, I don't know. It could be a combination of things. Could be, you know, guys in different spots and, you know, just need to box out a little bit better. Could be fatigue. Could be getting back on defense a little too early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll figure it out uh, as the season goes on. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised by those rebounding stats as well. Yeah, and this this is a game, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what our contract looks like with UNC Charlotte, but I would love to see this game you know, sort of stay on the schedule. You know, I, I doubt it will be every year, but if we can do some home and homes with them uh, would be great. I think it's, you know, it's an easy game for fans to travel to. And I think it's a meaningful game for fans to travel to as well. You know, it's, it's not a, a lower level team by any means. I, I think it's a good matchup and an easy place for both fan bases to travel to, you know, Charlotte's a great market for our, for our fans to go spend time in and catch a basketball game. Uh, you could do it in a day trip if you wanted or make a weekend out of it, you know, going both directions. So um, would love to see this series kind of, kind of develop, as you said, into a, uh, you know, sort of a, you know, maybe every other year non-conference rivalry would be phenomenal. Yeah, they're kind of they're 
kind of like counterparts in their respective conferences, uh, especially now that the style of play is pretty similar. So it, it's a good measuring stick for both teams, I think. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mind keeping that around. I'd rather have Charlotte than the Citadel or something like that. Right. Like, or, <laughs> yeah, or, or Wofford or Furman, you know, I mean, I think Charlotte's just a, it's a more meaningful game. And, and I think uh, at, at the end of the day, you know, we're always going to be angling for, you know, a potential at large bid or, you know, conference, you know, conference tournament win. So um, the, the more we can do early in the year to help ourselves, the better. Yeah. Last thing I have on that game is just given the kind of down part of the season right now with exams and, you know, not many games going on to win that game, to run the win streak up. And then you don't have to deal with like being in a funk from, from losing a a game. You probably should have won. You go into this break with some momentum, you get healthy, you get some rest. uh, And then you kind of attack the the tail part of non-conference play. So it's happy to see the Cougs take this one, keep the momentum rolling into uh exam week yeah absolutely and i think we've got a pretty interesting kind of segment coming up it's a good segue for us um you kind of designed you know maybe kind of an exam week of you know looking back at what we've done so far for the year and and you know kind of what lies ahead and some of the surprises and letdowns of the year uh you want to kind of jump right into that yeah yeah let's go ahead and jump right into that one since it is exam week and in honor of uh college exams we're going to do a little short answer so we're busting out the old blue books. We're going to write our short answers. We're going to defend it college oh, essay style. Basketball <laughs> studying down in Adelstone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So cite your sources, defend your opinion, defend your thesis, so to speak. I'm going to ask uh, a couple questions. I'll get your opinion, and then we'll flip it to me, and we'll just go back and forth. How's that sound? Perfect. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, question number one. Are the Cougars the favorites in the CAA? Yes, I think the Cougars are absolutely the favorites right now. Um, I, I'd even call us the favorites, you know, as our roster stands today. I think we're only going to improve, um, you know, as we add Marquise and and the addition of Sam Miller, a transfer player, uh, to the lineup. Um, I think we're the favorites, which I don't know if I love. Um, and the reason I say that is there was a lot of buzz about Northeastern. Um, I think their record is really deceiving. I, I took a look at who Northeastern's played, and they have losses to Virginia Tech. They actually played Davidson twice, lost both yep. of those games, and lost to Syracuse. So while their record might not indicate that they're off to the best start, I think they're probably – you know, they've played probably the toughest schedule maybe in, I would agree. in our conference. And they've got, you know, kind of beaten down a little bit by, by a lot bigger programs. And so I think, you know, some CAA teams might, might look small to them come conference time. So I think we need to keep them, um, you know, firmly in the back of our mind and, and, and an eye out on them. Um, looking around the CAA, I think a lot of other records are, you know, there's a couple of two and three win teams. There's some two and seven records, some three and six records, and, um, you know, while there is some decent non-conference losses there for other teams, I think there's also a lot of games that should have been won. So I'd say with the exception of Northeastern having played a really tough schedule and, yeah, having some, some tough losses, um, Charleston should absolutely be the favorite, you know, kind of leading into conference play. I would say Charleston and Northeastern are maybe the only teams right now, maybe Hofstra and, like, maybe Delaware, the only two teams kind of pulling their weight in the, in the CAA right now. So. Uh, yeah, there's mm-hmm. been some teams that were expected to be better or were expected to, you know, at least be competitive and have dropped some winnable games, which is disappointing. I would say, yeah, Northeastern and, and Charleston are, are the, the two 
contenders as a lot of people expected. It's interesting what you said about expectations. I was thinking about this earlier. I think the best seasons are the ones where you have low expectations and you overperform. Last year was super stressful being a unanimous favorite and then having to go wire to wire to win it all. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of nice that the Cougs were picked second in the preseason polls. And I still feel like we're a little, you know, under the radar to Northeastern still uh, just because the competition Northeastern's played. But to get back Mm -hmm. to the question, uh, I would agree with you. I would say that the Cougars are the favorites right now. Uh, Northeastern's got some injuries uh, to a couple starters, Pusika and uh, Sean Osius. Once those guys get healthy, it's going to be a a lot more interesting. But right now, um, I think the Cougars have two of the better wins in the conference, uh, Rhode Island and Memphis. I think the schedule's been pretty fair. Um, I don't think we have too many cupcakes, but also not you know, a bunch of power five teams that are just going to roll us and the teams don't get anything from that. Um, Mm -hmm. But right now, yeah, I think Charleston Cougars are also going to get better, you know, as they get healthy. But I think right now, if the two teams were going to play, I would take Charleston uh, just by a little bit more. So I would say they are the the favorites uh, in my mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to your point about the the preseason rankings there, I think, you know, Northeastern and Charleston were the natural natural one too. And I think probably the you know, the the people uh, you know, a little bit above my pay grade, but whoever gets to vote on that, uh, you know, I think they probably looked at who we lost and who Northeastern lost and and you look at exactly. you know, just taking just Joe Cheely out of our lineup and, and naturally you just think, okay, we have to account for a little bit of a loss there. Um, you, you know, a huge loss to our program. The, you know, the guy was you know, a hero for us, um, you know, for years and years. Um, so I think that's where that stems from. And I think what Earl now has a chance to do is, is show the, the people that make the rankings and kind of, you know, the pundits about the CAA that, that we really have been recruiting well. And that, um, you know, even though we do lose a team leader and a top scorer, that I don't think we really lose as much as some people might might try to say we do. Um, I think he's recruited really well and we've got a pipeline of guys, you know, really ready to step in and, um, you know, this will come up, you know, maybe a little later about, you know, what our scoring averages have been, but, but I've been very impressed with how we're scoring the basketball, you know, even with Joe Chile, you know, now moving on. So one of the guys that coach Grant has recruited, uh, but we haven't seen yet this year, Marquise Pointer. Uh, a lot of people figured he would naturally step into Joe's role, at least as the point guard, maybe not the scorer. Uh, but that mm-hmm. leads to question number two, what effect do you think Marquise Pointer will have once he returns? Uh, I think Marquise will have a big effect, but I think the real winner from Marquise coming back is probably Jarrell. Okay. Um, I don't think there's any way you can defend our team without playing, you know, a pretty solid perimeter defense. You know, when we have, you know, Marquise and and Grant back in the lineup, um, you know, out there on, on the edge as just really pure scorers and pure, you know, really high percentage shooters. Um, I think, you know, a lot of those double teams that Jarrell is getting right now he's not going to get, um, you know, later in the season with Marquise back on the floor. Um, so if we kind of, you know, go through the lineup correctly, we can get all three of those guys on the floor at one time. Jarrell, I think, is going to be the real real benefactor of that. Okay, I like it. Yeah, yeah I think a couple things are going to happen. I think you'll see the three-point percentage uh, move up, tick up a little bit. Marquise isn't a dead-eye shooter, but he's a competent shooter. We saw that in the CAA championship game. I think more importantly, just having a senior point guard running things, he's going to get guys open shots. And the more open shots are just going to lead to, to you know, better looks and more shots going down. So 
I think we're going to see that. I think he might be that third scorer that is kind of on a rotating basis right now. Maybe he, you know, averages 10 points a game the rest of the year, and that's enough to be, you know, the third guy uh, after mm-hmm. Grant Jarrell. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it means yep. less point guard minutes for Grant Riller. Uh, so he's kind of had to shoulder the load as the primary scorer and the primary facilitator. You know, Zepp uh, does a great job as a as a freshman at point guard, but there's really nobody to, to fill for him. So Grant kind of takes those duties. So I think you'll see Grant play a little bit less point guard back to that sort of primary scorer role uh, that he's best suited for. I mean, he's been great at that the last two years. So uh, those are kind of the things I think will happen. I think you touched on something important there, you know, with him kind of, you know, maybe be, you know, Marquise being a bit more of a signal caller and, you know, setting things up, you know, he'll probably end up with probably a pretty high number of assists and, you know, hopefully giving us, you know, 10 points a night. Uh, But I think our efficiencies are going to increase really more than anything. You know, I think as a team, we'll probably foul a lot less uh, because we'll kind of lower some of the minutes that we're playing our freshmen. Um, And I think Marquise has had a history of really not often getting into foul trouble. And and like you said, you know, kind of creating space for others and, and facilitating you know our game plan um you know and then with the addition of of sam miller down the line i think that lineup you know really starts to come together very well if we can get those guys you know kind of as a cohesive unit it'd be good to see i mean the cougars have been pretty nice without those two guys and you you add them in looking like a really nice team yeah uh, absolutely couldn't agree more question number three i need one thing that has surprised you about the Cougars so far this season and one thing that has been sort of a letdown? Uh, I'm going to go with our scoring uh, ability so far, okay. um, given the lineup that we have and some of the some of the uh, you know freshmen playing bigger minutes and the lack of having Marquise in there. Uh, we're averaging 72 a game right now, which um, if you had told me a couple of years ago that we'd be averaging 72 a game. I remember when game, we used to average like 55. Yeah, you know, we were hard pressed to crack 60 um, to the point where, you know, I think back when you and I were in college, you know, some of the free chicken challenges and whatnot were score 100 and not a lot of free chicken. And uh, yeah, we didn't get a lot of free chicken. And I think eventually sponsors, you know, might have brought it down to just breaking 80 or something like that. Um, You know, I think we had to do some editing there on the marketing side. But uh, (laughs) so I'm really happy to see us scoring um, 72 a game. And I think, um, you know, I think. Marquise will take a couple points away from, you know, maybe Grant uh, and not, sh- you know, have him shoulder as big of a load. So they'll kind of split out on some of that. But I still think we probably push up to an 80 plus average uh, overall. So um, that's been the biggest surprise for me and a very good one um, at that. Um, let's see. As far as my biggest letdown, if we want to go into that, uh, my biggest letdown, and I, I hate to say it because I, I really like it, this guy and I think he's a phenomenal young man, uh, is Nick Harris's production uh, right now in over 20 minutes a game on average. He's given us just under five rebounds a game and only just over one offensively and averaging about 1.6 points per game. So look, you know, we'll round up and call it. He's given us two points a game. I just think the CAA is a league that you need to have a very productive big man down in the paint um, and more than someone who's, who's just in the way, uh, you know, Nick gives us a, he's a great veteran presence. Um, but as far as some of the metrics, you know, I, I, I wish we could see, you know, a eight point night from him every single night um, or even, you know, six to eight points from him and, and kind of be a little bit more reliable of an offensive stream for us. Um, again, I, I, I hate to say it. And I don't want to talk negatively about any of our players, but it's just, you know, the numbers are what they are. Um, Nick's a great guy. I did have the chance to get to know him a, d- a decent bit while I was at CFC. And uh, one of the surprises for me was that, you, you know, 
you know, him being older, I was actually surprised that he came back for this season. Um, he, you know, he got married over the summer. Uh, and I know he's got a lot on his hands, uh, you know, in other parts of life. So, um, great, great guy. Uh, would love to see him just kind of turn up the intensity and realize, Hey, I've only got a few basketball games left in my college career and I'm going to leave it all out here. You know, it's like, you've already knocked off, you know, getting the NCAA, you know, tournament bid and everything. I think that was everyone's goal in the program for so long. Uh, I'd love to see him, you know, as weird as it sounds, get a little selfish and kind of demand the ball a lot more and, and get aggressive. Um, I think that would be great for our team if, if it happened. Um, I don't know if it will or not. So right now my biggest letdown is going to be Nick Harris, but hopefully um, that's uh, an inspiring message and he he really turns up the intensity. I'm hoping we see it too. I, I, I think he would be the first to admit that he's not super pleased with how he's done offensively. Mm-hmm. Um in, in the interviews I've heard with him, he's just like, I'm just going to do my best on, on defense. And coach seems to be happy with that. And, you know, maybe that turns into some offense the other way, you know, on the break or, you know, gets my confidence going or something. So yeah, fingers crossed for Nick. Definitely yeah, want to see. Him, there is something you know. to be said for, for knowing your role too. You know, I think a valuable, you know, a really defined role player is as valuable on any, any team as the other. Um, you know, but traditionally those role players are going to be your bench guys who just come in and give you eight minutes of, of a really, you know, concentrated effort in one area, not, you know, 20 to 23 minutes a night. So um, just an interesting fit there, but, uh, but yeah. Um, How about you? Who's been uh, your biggest surprise and and your biggest kind of uh, unfortunate letdown this year? My biggest surprise has been Brevin Galloway guy who redshirted his true freshman year and barely played uh, last year. Um, didn't know what to expect from him. I knew he was kind of a flashy scorer in high school. Um, so I was just thinking, hey, maybe if he can hold down the fort with Marquise gone, that'd be solid. Maybe chip in, you know, five, six points a game. That'd be cool. I th- I think he's been really good. So he's averaging about double figures. His defense has been something that's really surprising to me. He might be the best defender at the point of attack on the perimeter uh so far he's just uh totally locked in defensively each game he's the team's top three-point shooter uh on the season in terms of makes and percentage uh which is great again a guy who shots maybe 10 percent from three in limited minutes last year so he's he's the guy for me i think he's has the best chance to be that third score outside jarrell and and grant absolutely and just yeah and before you go to your letdown i mean that i couldn't couldn't agree more he was a guy that um, I forget which year he got to campus. We could go back and look. I think I was still working there. I was a season ticket holder when he got to campus, but he was a guy you'd walk through the gym and, uh, you know, I had heard some mumblings about, Hey, we got this great shooter. And I would, I'd go through the gym during practice and, you know, he knocked down, you know, multiple, multiple threes in a row, you know, from the corner, from the top all over, um, you know, he'd just be knocking them down without missing, you know, for a long stretch of time. And then that didn't immediately translate into the college game. And I do feel like we're starting to get a pretty good taste of really what he's capable of um, and exciting. And on the defensive side, he brings it, you know, night in and night out. Um, so with Earl Grant's coaching style, I think he's a great fit for our program. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been super pleased with Brev. My letdown is somewhat related uh, team three point shooting. So Brev's been pretty solid, but as a team, pretty ugly from the outside for Charleston so far this season. 27.9% on the season as a team, which is not only dead last in the CAA, it's DFL by a wide margin. JMU is shooting 33.3%. They're making one out of three. So we're a couple 
percentage points behind the ninth place team, way behind Northeastern, which I think is still above 40% as a team. Only The only two guys on the team shooting above 30, which should be a, a low bar to clear, are Brevin and Jalen McManus. Everybody else on the team's uh, below 30%. So for me, you know, I, I don't think it's a matter of scheme. I think you know some of the threes have been pretty good looks. They're just not falling. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I would expect, I think studies show that as the season goes on, teams just naturally get into more of a flow offensively and those three start to fall. Hopefully that's right. going to happen for the Cougars because so far the team three-point shooting has not been very good. Right. And I think, I think, like you said, you know, some of those, lo- you know, I think we'll shoot our way into a rhythm for sure. I think we do, you know, Grant, you know, led by Grant, obviously, and some guys behind him, you know, we do have some pure scorers on our team who, who can really shoot the basketball and just need to get into that groove. Um, you know, the midseason form, you know, mantra, if you will. But I think Mark, like, you know, connecting it back to bringing Marquise back into the lineup. I think, you know, Grant, you know, every time Marquise is on the floor, Grant has a better three point look um, than he would have otherwise um, just with, you know, either taking one of the better defenders away from him or avoiding any double teams or, you know, coming off of a really fast screen. Um, you know, he probably gets a, a few more of the open looks that he, you know, shoots a higher percentage you know, of those um, night in and night out. So I think that's something that, yeah, area of concern, bit of a letdown, but um, probably not hitting the panic button on just yet. Grant and Jarrell historically have been right around 40%. So you have to figure they they get back to the average there. I'd be curious to know as well, you know, just from your opinion as you know as a fan, what do you think of of Jarrell and other you know big men, if you will, shooting threes? I would totally take Jarrell doing it. He's proven that he he is a legitimate threat from there. You know, if he was shooting twenty five percent, I wouldn't love it so much. But I think that really fuels the rest of his game because guys will will follow him right out to the perimeter and. Then he just does that that move where he just bulldozes through people and just mm-hmm. gets gets to the line, gets to the um, into the paint where you can do that spin move and it's automatic every time. So I think it's right. a, a good part of his game. Uh, I'm glad he's confident in that shot and I think he is going to get back up to a reasonable percentage. So I'm I'm cool with him taking it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, and I think that'll that's going to take him, you know, as far as looking beyond, you know, college basketball for him. I think that's probably something that'll be very beneficial for him is really kind of having that in his quiver, you know. For sure, and I think uh, I think we have the same answer for this next one. Who's been Charleston's MVP so far this season? Yeah, for me, you know, like we've talked about him a lot, but it's it's Jarrell for me. Um, I think he's had a big load on his shoulders, um, you know, really being a, a leader on this team. Um, I think Grant is right there with him, but, um, you know, I think we have more capable guards than we have uh, capable forwards right now. That so I think, uh, I think Jarrell doesn't get a break from the bench as often as the guards or even just on the floor spreading the ball out. Um, you know, if, if we're scoring points in the paint um, – you know he he, the play is going to be drawn up to him for a lot of the inside work right now so um so for me it's Jarrell uh you know I'd love to see you know an emerging presence kind of complement his play down there but yeah for him he's my MVP I'm going JB as well so a little bit weird that we're not going with the guy who can drop 30 points a game and the Cougars leading score but I think Jarrell's consistency kind of gives him the edge like you said doesn't leave the court uh, Grant Riller goes games uh, where he plays a ton of minutes too, but uh, positionally, Jarrell is so important. He He's brought it in all the games this year, especially against the big-time opponents, especially in those games where Riller struggled uh, to get the shots 
he normally gets struggled to kind of take up those point guard duties. Jarrell, just consistent offense, defense. Uh, he's been he's been the MVP for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. And question number five: What has been the best game of the year uh, for CFC thus far? Uh, I'm going to go with the Charlotte game. Um, I think we we talked about recency this. bias. Yeah, yeah, very, <laughs> very recent. Uh, you know, maybe top of, top of mind, but um, yeah, I think it's between this and URI. But I thought the Charlotte game was great for us. We had had three scores in, in double figures. Uh, you know, we had seven guys um, scoring points in, in total. Uh, you know, it was led by a huge night from Grant Riller. Uh, but we also, on the defensive side of the ball, held Charlotte to under seven, uh, uh, excuse me, under 70, while asking those big minutes uh, of our veterans, you know, playing truly playing both ways. Um, and I feel like we've, uh, we didn't really show any exhaustion in the game. And, and we just played a really good basketball game um, start to finish. And, and Grant did have to get in a bit of a track meet with their leading scorer as well. Uh, and we came out on the good side of it. So uh, for me, um, you know, looking at all our first uh, number of games of the year, it's, it's the Charlotte game. Charlotte and URI were, were two I considered, but I'm going with the Memphis game. Uh, the last game okay. of the Avocare Invitational. I said this uh, when we reca- when we recapped uh, that tournament, but just given the sort of uh, name and, and notoriety of Memphis, uh, the stage, you know, playing on that game on ESPN two, playing against Penny Hardaway, Grant Riller coming back to Orlando, all the storylines, uh, all sort of culminating into a really really solid game for the Cougs. They were great offensively. They were really great defensively. They closed that game out as a close game. Coach Grant makes the right calls down the stretch. Uh, the, the team just kind of takes care of business, uh, closes that game out, finish that tournament two and one. Uh, so for me, just given uh, everything that led into it and the final result, I'm going with the Memphis game. Yeah. And I think that's important because I think it, it keeps us our, you know, if you kind of to reference what is talked about in college football, a lot is the body of work. If you look at us at, at um, seven and two versus six and three, and seven and two with our only losses being to LSU and Oklahoma state. Um, Pretty good. We're, we're winning the games we should win and, yep, and exactly. losing, probably losing the games, but playing well in, in the games that we've lost. Um, and I think no bad losses, right? Yep. We have no bad losses at all. And I think there's a lot of really big positives from our whole team's play within those games that we lost, but you know, all of a sudden you lose to Memphis, you start to get that idea of, Hey, that's a decent mid major team, but they're going to lose every time they play up against a more record recognizable name um and and, you know you know really getting a gritty win uh you know against memphis by three um i think that does a lot for our program um you you know come you know later in the season yeah definitely pleased with that game yeah all right pencils down the exam's over cool that was fun yeah yeah, it was. It's a good, good little look back at, at you know kind of everything that's that's happened. You know, the first part of the season has flown by, and it's wild to think we're not far from conference. But uh, but I feel good about you know. So let me ask you this real quick to kind of tack onto that theme. If you were to give the Cougars a grade um, through nine games, what do you give us? I'm giving them like a A minus to an A. I was reasonably confident in the team going in. I think. If I had to guess their record, I would have guessed that we dropped the Memphis game, and then maybe we drop one of those winnable games. Just one of the two guys, uh, like Jarrell or Grant, struggles, or it's a kind of a fluky game. The team's missing Joe Chile, mm. you know, Western Carolina, or, or a game like that, or even SC State. Yep. So I would have guessed that they maybe had one or two more losses. 
Uh, the fact that they've gotten to 7-2 and two, uh, with Zepp and with Brevin in the starting lineup, with a bunch of freshmen coming off the bench, I think that record is outstanding. Uh, maybe if you pull one of the upsets uh, against either Oklahoma State or LSU, I give it an A or an A+, plus, but very solid uh, A to A- minus for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I'd say uh, from a fan's perspective, it's an A all the way through. Super pleased. I think it's a really fun team to watch. Uh, maybe from a coaching perspective, uh, you know, if I can play armchair uh, porn guard here, armchair coach, um, I, I'd probably give them, you know, a B plus just because I know this team has a lot of potential um, with some of the additions yeah. and, and, you know, the rhythm that they're going to find, you know, five or six games from now, uh, I think we're going to be an even better team. So, uh, so B plus um, from maybe a coaching standpoint and a, an absolute A from a fan standpoint. Right on. So before we go around the CAA, there is a game to be played uh, this week during exam week. Georgia College comes to town uh, Sunday afternoon. It's not uncommon for teams to schedule a cupcake game during exam week. You don't want to distract the guys with prep or, or hitting the road or anything like that. Uh, don't love that it's a Division II team. You know, I'd love to play an all-D1 schedule, but it's Coach Grant's alma mater. He's doing them a solid. I don't really have a huge issue with it. Hopefully the Cougs just kind of take care of business again. Cougs can just... Win, win this one early and then kind of hit cruise control. Uh, what do you want to see from them uh, in this kind of tune-up game? Uh, yeah, I think it. I think it's one word for me. I think it's escape. Um, I think it's escape with a win and escape with no injury. Um, you know, I'm going to yeah. knock, knock on a little bit of wood here, you know, sitting at the podcast desk. Um, but, you know, yeah, things can get weird. You know, guys are maybe running on short sleep from exams, um, you know, trying to get, get their academics in order. And, you know, Earl's alma mater's coming back. You know, he's going to be probably have a little jitters, you know, just about coaching against them. And um, it's a game that things could get a little spooky. Uh, but I think so you just try to escape with a good win and escape with no injury. And you really hope that you get your, you know, maybe your walk-ons get, you know, three to four minutes of play in the second half and you, and you call it a day. And um, yeah, I think you also want to escape this without overlooking um, that team or looking ahead because we, you know, we've got a big trip looming uh, to Richmond, I know a game that you're going to travel to um, at VCU, which is a, a big one for our program. Um, so we can't, you know, I think, all the hard work we've put in to, to beat Memphis and have a couple close losses to other big teams um, and the excitement of going to play VCU, I think it's all nullified if we lose to Georgia College. So escape with a win, move on, uh, but stay disciplined and get it done. You have a dedicated podcast desk? Um, it is a little table in my tiny downtown <laughs> Los Angeles apartment. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than I can say. I have a stack of cushions that my computer is resting on. Oh, there you go. That worked. <laughs> HQ. <laughs> Podcast studio. Yeah, no, uh, totally agree. I would love to see the walk-ons get some time and no injuries. Yep. That's all I would hope for. Yeah, I think that's the key on that one. So let's wrap it up. Let's go around the CAA. I know you've gone to a couple of venues around the league, so I figured before we just kind of check in on some of the other teams, give me your top uh, CAA road game to attend? Uh, mine is going to be Northeastern for sure. Uh, Matthews Arena. It's uh, right in downtown Boston. Um, it's great. You know, I, and I think you, you touched on this a little bit in, in the intro to this episode, but I did spend um, three years on the staff at the College of Charleston Cougar Club, uh, you know, the fundraising arm for College of Charleston, College of Charleston Athletics. And one of my 
duties there was to plan uh, out-of-town alumni engagement events, and the alumni turn out in Boston for this. Uh, we have a great event, you know, half mile down the road. Everyone comes out, gets rowdy. Usually, the athletic director, you know, comes and gives a little pregame talk, and everyone, you know, walks through uh, seven-degree weather in January to go down to the Matthews Arena. And when you get in there, there's these old radiator heaters that turn on, and you literally will sweat through the clothes that you're wearing. Um, oh my God. And yeah, there's kind of old pipe radiators above every section because it's actually the building. Uh, it opened in like 1910 and the Bruins, right. uh, you know, as an original six team played there for four years in the 1920s. Uh, and I think they're the only NHL team that, uh, whose original building is still standing. So it's just a really cool historic building. Celtics played some games there. There's some cool banners up in the rafters, I believe. Uh, you know, there's a sheet of ice under the court. Um, it's just a cool place. In, in freezing cold Boston, you get into probably a 78-degree building, uh, you know, in the middle of January. And and Northeastern always gives us a great game. And our uh, Always good, yeah. Yeah, it's a stadium that's actually, like, it's, uh, it's pretty small. Uh, you know, you could have a if you just shouted a little bit could have a conversation with someone sitting across the court from you and the fans because you're on the uh the hockey boards um you're you're you know there's only maybe 15 feet from the bench and the first row stands um and so we get to you know pile in 100 college of charleston fans from the boston area uh and you know players families and everything's and uh and really get loud and it's, it's just a raucous place and then the kicker there is there's a little area that's fenced off with like a plastic white picket fence and one guy that sells beer out of a igloo cooler for the whole game uh, i love it and so you know a lot of people start off sitting behind our bench and by the 10 minute mark in the first half, everyone's down behind one of the baskets, drinking beers and, you know, kind of heckling Northeastern. So I think, uh, you know, I think Earl's actually said it uh, in a couple of his post games that, um, you know, we've made it feel like a like a home game for CFC up there. And I think that's uh, about as cool as you can ask, uh, you know, for mid-major basketball on the road. So uh, Matthews Arena, downtown Boston, if you ever get the chance, go to a game there, make a weekend of it. You can fly up out of Charleston on JetBlue for probably under $200 round trip. It's just a really cool trip. So uh, for me, it's Matthews. Uh, yeah. How about you? So my sister just moved up to Boston last year and she lives three miles from Matthews. So I need to go to a game. I really have no excuse not to go up this year. Yeah. Uh, definitely got to get up there. My venue. Uh, I like Towson. Okay. Um, Towson's got a really nice arena. Uh, it might be overshadowed by the new one at Elon thus far, but uh, kind of the same reasons. Nice arena. Uh, right outside Baltimore, so you can you know get some brunch beforehand, make the quick jaunt up he, uh, from from DC here. Usually get a pretty good alumni presence there with the Maryland and and Washington DC suburbs. Uh, so I like Towson, uh, but I definitely want to visit the new Shar Center at Elon. That's new this year. Looks pretty sweet, and I want to go to a Drexel game. I want to try to go up to the Drexel game this year, see the DAC Pack in action. Uh, so I, I definitely want to do that one. <laughs> the DAC is a funky little court. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The DAC is a place that I, I guess this is a Philly sports tradition is making the, um, the really long signs that like they kind of unroll a giant piece of poster paper, um, you know, maybe 15 feet long or 10 feet long and, you know, paint a big message on it. And they, they kind of troll all the other teams. And I do remember a time we we're up there and I think they had a pretty, um, a pretty good joke on Canyon Berry, something to the effect of uh, the worst family tradition in basketball. 
And unfortunately we had did not have a good night up there and the arena was pretty quiet. And uh, I know our players could hear every bit of it. And I think Canyon <laughs> might have struggled at the line that night and they were in our head and that the DAC was a, it's a funky small little building. Um, again, it's a place, you know, it's, it's freezing cold and snowing outside and you get in there and it's hot and small. And uh, I don't know something. I mean, I think to me, that's the excitement of college basketball is that when you go on these uh on these road games in places you're not used to visiting uh, with, you know, 18 to 22 year olds and a fairly even conference, you know, a lot of parity in the conference, anyone can win and anything can happen on a given night. So uh, that's the fun of it. That's also the fear of it. You know, uh, when you're, when you're a fan and watching your team, like you said, having to go wire to wire last year and hold that pressure, um, it can be exhausting. Um, you know, it can be exhausting on the fans and employees. I can't imagine, you know, the, the pressures that some of the players face, but uh, great buildings in the CAA. I love for it. Sure. Yeah. Hopefully we, uh, you know, other fans think of TD arena as uh, something similar. Yeah, absolutely. And that need, that really needs to be the place that is, is feared to play. Uh, I know you and I were extremely spoiled in, in our day there in college. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I've, I've talked to some current students there, um, you know, who I, I coached a couple of sailors actually, who said that the atmosphere has been good and it, it does seem to be really back on the rise, but, um, you know, Earl and the, and the team, uh, you know, and all of our seniors have, have put in the work and our product is great. Um, and so there's no reason that we shouldn't be packing out. You know, I know we hold about 5,100, we should be averaging, you know, 4,200 people a night, um, kind of on average and, and really, you know, scratching 5,000 for our bigger games and, and really showing the team the, the respect they deserve. And it's a fun product to watch. Uh, we're a great team and, uh, yeah, our building should be the hardest place to play in the CAA for sure. For sure. All right, Jeff, let's wrap it up. Just taking a look at some other scores around the CAA. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday night. So UNCW played in Chapel Hill last night, stayed with the Tar Heels for about a half, and then got blown out. Uh, UNC goes on a 30-3 to run in the second half. UNC Wilmington cannot pull the upset there. Uh, Hofstra moved to 6-3. and they took down a winless Monmouth team uh, at Hofstra. So narrowly escaped that one. Justin Wright Foreman had 30 points. Monmouth moved to 0-10, I believe. So uh, not a great win, but a, a win nonetheless for Hofstra. Uh, Elon hosted number 25, uh, a ranked Furman team. Uh, got blown out there, 98-77. to Elon is a disappointing 3-6 and on the season. Uh, JMU beat a good Radford team. Uh, at JMU, um, Radford had beaten Notre Dame and Texas, uh, but JMU moves to seven and four with a victory there. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. Northeastern uh, loses to Syracuse pretty badly, uh, seventy-two to forty-nine, and Delaware uh, moves to seven and two. Uh, so similar record to the Cougars after a win over Columbia. Uh, last one, William and Mary goes to two and seven. Uh, so that's disappointing. They lost uh, narrowly to George Mason and then big time to Old Dominion. Um, so looks like the CAA teams uh, played some big time opponents, but nobody really pulled an upset and then get some wins over some uh, teams you expect to win. Any thoughts on any of that? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously a tough, tough outing for for Wilmington to go into Chapel Hill, you know, into the Dean Dome, uh, you know, such a strong program. Good to see they showed some life uh, in the first half. But uh, I think that's kind of an inherent uh, or inevitable result, I should say, um, you know, playing playing up there in Chapel Hill. Tough, tough place to play. Um, I'd say everyone else is CAA wise. I think their records are probably pretty accurate, except for Northeastern, like we talked about earlier. I think they've gone out and played really hard teams. Uh, I think they're probably better basketball than uh, better basketball team than four and five which i think they're sitting at mm-hmm. right now um i think it it gives a lot of hope to the cougars um that we're seven and two and some teams are trailing you know a decent bit behind us i'd also would have loved to see our conference all be you know six and three seven and two for the strength of the conference um and sort of the at-large picture there um and i also don't want the cougars to get complacent and and think that those records mean a lot because like we talked about earlier a lot of, you know, there's a lot of teams equal in the CAA and I think it's anyone's game, you know, come, you know, early February. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I think teams are kind of right where they should be for the most part. Should be a good conference season this year. Obviously, the Cougars have a few more games before they get to that point. But Jeff, it's been a good time. As I like to do with other guests, I'm going to give the floor to you. Uh, whatever you want to talk about before you get out of here, go for it. Cool, man, Tommy. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. I think it's great that that you're doing this, kind of spearheading the effort. Uh, you know, from a Youngs fans perspective, uh, especially you being you know a non-local uh, but dedicated fan. I think uh, you know I I do think people are paying attention. Uh, I know it keeps me way more connected to the program out here on the West Coast. Uh, you know, having moved back from Charleston recently, uh, if I could just plug probably one thing, you know, while on the air here, it would be uh, the Cougar Club. Uh, I know I shared with you guys that I worked there for three years after. After college, um, I don't think people realize uh, what an impact donating to their colleges can have, um, and a lot of people don't see the direct impact of that. Uh, you know, we're able to fund student athlete scholarships through the Cougar Club. It's an amazing mission, uh, and our kids deserve it. Um, you know, they're so much more than than athletes for the school. Uh, a lot of people won't realize this, but having gotten to travel with the team, our guys are going to shoot around in the morning. You know, having team breakfast, going to shoot around having study hall for, you know, a couple hours in the afternoon um, and, and then having a game that night and definitely having study hall, you know, the night before um, after they've had class and practice fly up to a venue, they'll have a little more study hall, you know, before calling a night uh, on top of watching team film. So um, our guys are really hardworking athletes and that's not just on the basketball team. Um, you know, when the basketball team's not winning, it doesn't mean your dollars don't matter. Um, the career club's really easy to join uh, as a young alumni you're in for five bucks a month, um, 60 on the year. And I think after four years, you bump up to 120. So think if you can make a peanut butter and jelly one day a month, instead of going out on King street to kick and chicken for lunch, uh, you'll have funded, you know, a good portion of student athlete scholarships over the years. So, uh, you know, every little bit helps. And I, I would truly encourage people to join and really make a difference. Uh, other than that, Go Cougars. Thank you so much for having me on. I think uh, Earl's got us going in the right direction here. And I'm, I'm just excited for everything to come with this team and uh, excited to watch it. I don't mind a peanut butter and jelly every once in a while. I think that's great insight onto what the Cougar Club does. Uh, definitely young alumni, old alumni, everybody should be uh, donating a little bit to that. I think that's a great message, Jeff. And uh, I'm going to play back what you said about me to my fiance so every time she gets uh, worried about why i'm so upset about cougar basketball on a weeknight there's a reason why 
Yeah, uh, it's, so appreciate it's you perfect, saying that. Yeah, perfectly rational to yell at a live stream of a laptop at you know four thirty in the afternoon West Coast time or seven thirty on the East Coast uh, around people or watching on your phone at a restaurant. And I would say, kind of on top of what I said about the Career Club, you know, hey, if you're not in a position to to give financially, totally understand that. But the best thing you can do is just talk about our program. You know, bring up, hey, have you watched any Cougar basketball recently? Uh, who do you think, you know, who do you like on the team? Who are you excited to watch play? What do you think's going on? You know, will you would you catch them if they're in your city? Um, for those fans in Charleston, shake it up. You know, you know, you can go to any restaurant, you know, five star restaurant or fun bar on King Street any given night as a student or alumni uh, or donor. Uh, but mix it up, you know, go pay for a ticket, go down to TD arena. The, the product is there and Earl has this thing rocking. So go, go mix up your plans and, and socialize with your friends and just get a good buzz going about Cougar basketball. I, I really think that's what you're doing with the podcast and the Twitter and everything is you're, you're getting a lot of attention to a program that deserves it. So I, I couldn't be more excited. Like I said, right on, man. Appreciate it. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Uh, and go Cougars. Absolutely. Go Cougs. All right. Thanks, man.